Hey, I'm Brandon, the online campus pastor here at Big Valley Grace, and thank you for taking a moment to watch this message. It is the teaching portion from one of our live weekend worship gatherings, and we have those every single weekend here online and in person, and I just want to extend an invitation to you to join us. We're just a local church, local body of believers, and we would love if you would join us uh, on a weekend upcoming here sometime soon. Uh, but as we get headed into this message together, a couple things just want to point you to. One is a connect card. If there's any way that, that we can pray for you, if you want to contact us, that connect card form is just a really great way uh, to let us know that you're joining us. Any next steps you want to take, stuff like that is right on there. Also, if you want to bring an offering, a worshipful gift uh, to King Jesus, you can do that right on our give page on our website or via text. So hope you enjoy the unpacking, the unfolding of the word as we look at it together. Welcome to Big Valley Grace. If you're online, thanks for joining us online. Grateful to have you all with us today. And what we just sang about, that's what we're going to be talking about here today. The peace that surpasses all understanding that keeps our heart quiet and at rest in Christ Jesus. And if you are here today and you don't have that peace and you are carrying a burden, and don't go home with it. The Bible encourages us to cast all of our cares upon him. We can enumerate what those cares are and we can lay them at the feet of Jesus. We have folks in the altar room immediately after uh, the service here today that's there to pray with you and encourage you. And, uh, well, we need that all in our lives. We need that support, and we're here to be a family, to encourage one another, not to condemn one another, but to help one another and get it connected. And uh, we might experience the peace of Christ, the joy of Christ that's in our lives today. Well, <clears throat> uh, next week, we begin a new series called Peace. Interesting, which is what we just sang about. And in the uh, nook, there is a book like this. It's a coffee book. Is that what you call it? Coffee table book? Coffee table book. Uh, it's called Peace. And uh, boy, get this. This is excellent. Uh, today starts, is the first week of the Advent. And many of you have uh, Christmas traditions. I encourage you to make this one of them. Uh, we have, what is it, green and red boxes that have all our Christmas stuff in it. This would be one of the things that we'd have in the boxes that we get out, lay down the coffee table, and make uh, this Christmas season all about Christ and the peace of Christ that does surpass all understanding. And this book will be a great help to that. There's other devotional books there in the nook, but take advantage of these aids and make it a part of your family traditions to encourage other families to chase after Jesus and make him the center of their life. Well, this morning we're gonna be in Philippians chapter four. So go ahead and turn to there. And uh, if you see someone that doesn't have a Bible, uh, share your Bible with them. But let's all go to Ephesians chapter, I'm uh, sorry, Philippians chapter four. And there's a study guide that was provided. If you missed it, raise your hand. Our ushers have these available. These are a good little tool to use. Not only does it help as we walk through this lesson today, but really the, the, the advantage of this sheet is what you do with it when you go home. And the Bible verses that are there for you to look up and to study. So, Because we really want you to be students of the word and to um, explore God's word. There'll be verses there that maybe you didn't even know existed. And you'll be, they'll speak to you. You'll underline them. And you'll say, boy, Lord, that's what I want this week. Maybe rewrite it, put it on your mirror. Be reminded that God is near to the brokenhearted. We're going to cover that verse a little bit today. But that tool is there. Just keep your hand raised if you don't have one yet. Our ushers are around to, to kind of help you out. Right here in the very front row, Jessica here needs one. So uh, let's do that. So when we, when we, and this would be true, not just, whenever we look at a passage of scripture, it's good to understand its context. And a part of the context is who wrote this, to whom did this person write it to, 
And why did he write this book? The author of Philippians, this is one of the prison epistles. Paul wrote four prison epistles. Um, Ephesians, Colossians, uh, Philippians, and Philemon are what we call prison epistles. He wrote them while he was incarcerated in Rome. We'll talk a little bit more about that, how he got incarcerated. Uh, three of the books he wrote early on, uh, Tychius was the deliverer. He was the mailman that took him to, the, uh, to uh, the town of Ephesus, Colossae, and then met with a man named Philemon. And then uh, the Philippian book is one he wrote later, wrote around 61, 62 AD. When he's in Rome, he's waiting to be on trial in front of Nero. As a Roman citizen, he could appeal his case, particularly if death was involved, a death penalty, and he could appeal directly to Caesar. And so uh, he's waiting in his house, and you can find out about that in Acts chapter 28. So Paul's story starts in Acts chapter 8 and in chapter 9. He was, he'd be one of the ones that if you have someone like this, this you would say, this guy's never going to get saved. His heart is so hard and his eyes are so blinded, he's never going to come to Jesus. And you wouldn't want to meet Paul in chapter 7. He was a vicious man. He was out to get every Christian and to stamp out this thing called Christianity. And he was just determined he was going to stand in the gap and push that back because it was, it was changing the uh, things in the temple, changing who they understood the Messiah to be. He was all against it. And then God meets him and he meets the Lord in Acts chapter 9, changes his life. Paul's life was not easy. And that's why we're picking, that's why this passage of scripture has such meaning is because if you think that the author has no idea what he's talking about, that's not Paul. He, his life had been through the ringer. He had been shipwrecked. He had been beaten. He had been stoned, not with marijuana, but with little rocks. <laughs> and uh, every place that he went, he was chased out of town. He had been whipped multiple times, which means that his back had been laid bare. If you could see his back, it would be nothing but scars across his back. Um, he, he knew what it was to be, would have nothing, not know where the next meal is going to come from. He knew what it was to be robbed uh, because he was on roads, um, traveling alone sometimes. Uh, he had been through it all. And as we read through this, understand that as he is writing, he will say in verse 9, the things that you've heard from me, things you have seen in me, <clears throat> the things that I have taught you, do them. I'm an example of that. Uh, none of us are ever perfect, but Paul says, follow my example. And so the things that we're going to look at here in just a little bit, these, this is Paul. If we were to see him, he's going to talk about a gentle spirit. He had a gentle spirit. We're going to talk about how he rejoiced in all circumstances. Paul rejoiced in all circumstances, and he had horrible circumstances, uh, horrible ones. Uh, it amazes me how he hung on, and there are others that did not hang on. It broke his heart. And if Paul were here to speak to us today, if we could have an individual conversation with him, if you are a high school or college student, he would have this one message he would say to you, hang on, hang on, hold fast, stand firm in Christ. Don't let your, don't let your friends or your teachers dissuade you from pursuing Jesus. If you're a young adult, if you are soon to be married, if you are recently married, he would say, hang on to Christ. Don't be discouraged, uh, don't get weary, hang on to him, build your house around Christ. That's what Paul would say. If you've gotten some bad news this week, and as we look around, you, you have no idea the stories that are here. I, I, I know of some of them. There are tremendous burdens of cancer and Parkinson's disease and losing a spouse over the holidays. And all these things are here within our church. And then Paul would say to each one of those individuals, hang on. God, he has not abandoned you. 
He's not done with you. And particularly if you're struggling with depression, God is not finished with you yet. Your situation is not hopeless in Christ. Hang on to Christ. Stand firm in Christ. That was Paul's message. And as we walk through Philippians here in a little bit, you'll see how all that is played out. So let's just rehearse a little bit what Paul was dealing with. If you have your notes, you can follow along. Let's look at his circumstances. To get into his um, imprisonment, Paul was wrongly arrested and imprisoned. You can read that in Acts 21 uh, through chapter 23. Um, The Roman soldiers thought that he was inciting a riot. He was nearly torn apart and the Roman soldiers rescued him. And because of the charges that were pressed against him, they had to put him into the barracks and ultimately into jail just to protect his life. And so for two years, he was confined in prison for two years. How would you imagine, how how would it be for you if you were in prison in the the county jail for two years waiting for your, your case to be heard? And over those two years, multiple times, you have a hearing with the person who's in charge and they just keep hearing, 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 and nothing ever happens for two years. He had that experience. And finally, uh, Festus says, well, Paul, I think we just need to go back to Rome because this is obviously a religious matter. And Paul says, no, I want to go to Caesar. And once he said that, that set into motion that he was going to board a ship. He was going to sail to Italy and to Rome. And there he would be transferred into a garrison. And there he would wait hearing from Nero, uh, to be heard by Nero. That is what he requested. And so for another three years, he was under house arrest. And you can read about that in Acts chapter 28. And so this is near the end of that three-year period, somewhere between 80, 61, 62. And when he eventually is heard by Nero, he's going to be set free. But I want you to see that, and again, I'm sharing this with you because I want you to have a sense of what it might have been like to be like Paul. Imagine the potential frustration and angst that would be yours, because I know I would have it. I would be wondering, Lord, what in the world are you doing? Wouldn't you think that? But look at Paul's perspective. If you are there in Philippians, just flip over to the first chapter. Look at verse 12. Look what Paul says. And from 12 on, Paul begins this insights into his perspective as to what God is doing. And look what he says regarding his circumstances. He's writing to a group of people whom he dearly loves. And so in verse 12, he says, Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard. The Praetorian Guard is the palace guard. It is Nero's hand-selected soldiers that guard the palace and do his bidding. It would be like the um, Secret Service, maybe, so to speak. I mean, they're at the very top of law enforcement, and they are his pick, and they are in his palace, and they're given the charge, I want you to watch out for this guy. Uh, and so Paul says, look, what's, look what this is, what this is about. I don't want you to, to become discouraged. The people in, Phil, in Philippi were concerned about Paul. Paul, are you doing okay? Hey, I want you to know, guys, incredible things are happening. 24-7. I have one of Nero's guards guarding me. Three to four shifts. This guy's chained to me. Guess what he gets to hear all day? For three years, guess what they get to hear all day? And I'm sure he got to be in first name acquaintance with these guys. Hey, Bill, good to see you again. Here, lock me up. Bill, how's your family? How are things with you? You have peace with God? 
Everything going well? I've been praying for you and your family. What's your wife's name? I've been praying for her too. I've been praying for your kids. And you can imagine the conversations over six to eight hours that he'd have with Bill. And then there'd be Jim. And then there'd be Brian. And everyone, I don't know how often they changed the hands. I mean, how many different guys watched him. But it worked its way all the way up into Nero's household. And Paul is saying, guys, don't worry about me. God is doing a mighty work in me and through me. You don't worry. Second thing he says, look at verse 25. God is not done with me yet. And I'm sharing these things because I, I, I want each of us to think this way. In your cancer and whatever it is that you're facing in your life, God is working in you and he's working through you. There's a reason he has you on this journey. He is the shepherd of your life. He's walking you through a valley of the shadow of death, the valley of the shadow of cancer, the valley of the shadow of, you name it, unemployment, frustration, family issues, disobedient parents, marital concerns. He's walking with you through these things for your good, for his glory, and for others as well. He also says, look at this, is that God is not done with me yet. In verse 25, he says, I'm convinced of this, that I know that I will remain and continue with you all for what? For your progress and your joy in the faith. This isn't about me, it's about you. And as I'm here, I know God is using this to be an encouragement to you. And if we keep reading here in Philippians, he says, I know you're going to experience these same things and you'll remember what, how I faced him and how God was faithful and that's gonna help you. And the third thing he's gonna say, it's not about me, it's about you. Look at verse 26. He says, so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. And so Paul's writing again to these folks that he, he dearly, dearly loves even though he was poorly treated in this community, everywhere he went, they would figure out where Paul was. In their poverty, they would collect a gift, a financial gift, to help Paul so he could be wholly committed to sharing the gospel. Saying, Paul, as best we can, we don't want you to keep making tents. We want you to be free to share the good news like you shared it with us. And when he, they heard he was in Rome, they get a young man named Epaphroditus. They hook him up with a few other people and they travel to Rome carrying a significant money gift so he could finance himself under house arrest. See, the government doesn't put you up in house arrest. That only comes if you have funds. And this church in Philippi says, we wanna be a player in what God is doing in your life. Are you doing okay, Paul? We're praying for you. And Paul's writing back through Epaphroditus. Hey, you let these people know. There's some good work God is doing in me. Don't be discouraged. Don't be distracted. You're gonna face this thing too. God will be faithful to you as he's been faithful to me. So with that introduction, let's look at Philippians chapter four, starting in verse one. I'm gonna skip two and three, not because it's not important, it's just kind of condensed the reading. It's about two ladies that weren't speaking to each other. It's good to read. It has its own message attached to it. But we're gonna go from verse one, where it encourages us to stand firm, and from four to nine, he's gonna talk about how we can stand firm. So Paul says, therefore, my beloved brethren, brethren who I dearly love, whom I long to see. You have friendships like that? Friendships that are so dear for you, dear to you that you can't wait to see them? That's, what, what Paul, that's who Paul is speaking to. I long to see. You are my joy and my crown. In this way, brothers, sisters, stand firm in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Verse four. And so as you stand firm, 
Rejoice in the Lord. Find joy in the Lord. Uh, be glad in the Lord. What does it say? Always. In all times, in all places, again, I say, rejoice in the Lord. Verse five, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. We'll talk about what that means. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, in all things, in all situations, in all circumstances, whatever it is that you're facing, by prayer and supplication, with what? What does it say? Thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. And what happens? And the peace of God, which we just sang about, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't you want that? And finally, brethren, verse 8, he says, So whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, what does he say? Dwell, let your mind park on these things. And here's what I find incredible. These things that we just talked about, rejoicing in the Lord, having a gentle spirit, resting in the comfort that the Lord being near, parking my mind on the things that are good, wholesome, true. These things, you've learned these things from me and you've received and heard them and seen them in me. That, key, that scene is a big deal. I haven't just talked about it. I haven't said, you do this, don't do as I do, you do as I say. No, as you have seen these things in me, I want you to practice these things. Follow my example. And the God of peace will what? Will be with you. And that's why we're here tonight, here today. Let me pray. Father, thank you again for the preciousness of your word as we just walk through this. Lord, I know it's what you would desire for each of us is that we would be characterized not only as one having a joyful heart and a gentle spirit, but we'd be characterized as men and women whose roots grow down deep in you. So that when the storms of life come, we are unshaken, we are immovable. And in spite of all circumstances, we are always are abounding in the work of the Lord. Knowing that what we do for you is never in vain. That every storm will pass and there will be a day when you'll wipe away the last tear and we'll see you and be received by joy. What a day that will be when we see you face to face. And so Lord, I pray, Lord, I know that there's lots of things that are being carried here today. I pray for Rick Elliott, Lord, who's waiting for a new liver, a new kidney. He's waiting for that phone call. Lord, I pray that they would have that peace as they wait upon you. I know there's others, Lord, whose spouse went home to be with Jesus yesterday. That your peace will be with them, Lord, today. There's others that are carrying cancer. Who would your peace be upon them today? And each of us, as we wait and lean upon you. And so, Lord, I know the devil would really would love for us to be distracted. He'd love for us to get our minds off the things that are good, wholesome, and true. He'd love for us to doubt. He'd love for us to be afraid. Father, help us to be firmly grounded in you. And may this word, your word here, be an encouragement to us all here today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. So if Paul were here today, what would he say? He would say, stand firm in the Lord. And the word stand firm, I'm not a Greek scholar, but it didn't take much to look it up. It's called stecho. 
And when I hear that word, I think it means drive a stake in the ground. That's exactly what the word means, is driving a stake in the ground, and from this point, I will not be moved. There's a lot of words, other words that Paul uses. He uses the word stand for multiple occasions. Uh, in fact, four other, I think it's four other churches that he encouraged them to have the same word in Corinthians, uh, in uh, the town of Ephesus, Colossae, and Thessalonians. It says, stand firm in Christ. Be rooted, be grounded in Christ. That is his admonition. So the question is, how do we stand firm in Christ? What are the ingredients that's necessary because it's not independent of these things. These things are very much essential to our ability to hang on, to cling on, to, to, to be in Christ as we face different circumstances. And the first thing you see is in verse four. He says, rejoice in the Lord always and every occasion, no matter what it is that you're facing. Again, I say rejoice. I like what uh, it means that we're to find our deepest joy in the Lord. John MacArthur says this really well. He says, the joy is not a feeling. It's not happiness. Happiness is a feeling. Joy is a deep down confidence that God is in control of everything for the believer's good and his own glory, and thus all is well no matter what the circumstances. Boy, it makes a big difference. Have that incredible, quiet confidence that God, you got this. You got this. This diagnosis of cancer, you got this. This unemployment, you got this. This challenge that I'm facing in my marriage, you got this. This, this thing that I'm, I'm facing right now, Lord, you got this. You are absolutely in control. And your word says, and it's good to know the word of God and the promises. You said that if you are for me, who can be against me? You said that nothing can separate me from the love of God. This is not going to separate me from you. You are not kicking me to the curb because of this thing. There's too many times that we've heard individuals saying, why is God doing this to me? Paul would say, Lord, bring it on. That you would consider, to, that you consider me to suffer for your name's sake because of what you want to do through me. Lord, what a privilege that is. I rejoice in you. I find my gladness in you. I find my contentment in you because you are under control. And what the enemy intends for evil, God, you mean it for good. And I want to see how this thing's going to play out. I want to see the good that you're going to do through this, through this thing. So how do we find joy in the Lord? And this is a freebie. This is in your notes. But write some of these things down. How do we find joy in the Lord? I'm gonna suggest four things. It begins with a thankful heart. That's in Ephesians 5.20 and many other places as well. To be able to look at our circumstances and to say, Lord, man, I'm so glad you're in control. I'm so glad that you promised you'll never leave me and never desert me. I'm so glad that your love never fails. I'm so glad that though I do not know the way, you know the way. I'm so glad that you are the shepherd of my life and that you are the one who leads me through whatever it is I'm facing. You lead me to green waters and still pastures. You anoint my head with oil, but you also, you'll lead me through valleys of the shadow of death. And you would never take me through that valley if you didn't have something else on the other side of me. Lord, I am glad that you're the shepherd of my life. That's how you are thankful. You remind yourself that God is near, Hebrews 13, 5 says that I will never leave you. I will never desert you. Matthew 28 says, I am with you always to the end of this age. He's promised again and again and again that he'll never, ever leave you. 
Isaiah 40 is just replete with promises that those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. And don't you want new strength? Don't you want to be able to mount up with wings like eagles? Don't you want to be able to walk and not grow weary, run and not faint? And so he says, why do you say, O Jacob, O Israel, that my way is hidden? He never slumbers. He never takes a vacation. He is always near. This is how you find joy in the Lord. You remind yourselves of the promises of God. Remind yourself that he is near. And you remind yourself that in this circumstance, this is James 1 and 2. He says, consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various struggles and temptations, knowing that this is for your good. It produces endurance in you. And when I think of endurance, I think of those big old trees up in, up in uh, Angel's Camp that have been there for thousands of years that have weathered forest fires and snowstorms and windstorms and they stand majestically tall because their roots grow down deep. And that's what the Lord wants for each one of us is to be strong in him. There's a reason why God doesn't always answer prayer just like that. Many times we want him to answer prayer just like that, don't we? But he says, no, I, I'm not gonna answer it right now. I want you to wait on me. I want you to trust in me. If I answered prayers always like that, you wouldn't trust me. You wouldn't learn how to wait upon me. You'd be impatient. It'd be all about you. I want you to realize that it's all about my kingdom and it coming and it's will being done in you just like it's done in heaven. That's what I'm doing. So I want you to wait. You keep asking, you keep seeking, you keep knocking, but I want you to wait. It's all about you growing down deep in me. So how do we find joy in the Lord? Man, it's reminding us of who God is. It's reminding of his promises that he'll never leave us, he'll never desert us. It's reminding us <clears throat> that he has a plan for each of us and that he's working and producing endurance in me. So what's the second ingredient besides joy, finding our deepest joy in the Lord? It's being known, Paul says, for a gentle spirit. Look at verse five. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. And when I look at that and I look at verse nine saying, These, you've, you have seen my gentle spirit. You've heard me talk about it. You've heard me talk, encourage you in it, but you've also seen it in me. Remember when I was being beaten in the town square for no reason at all? Do you remember my gentle spirit? Remember the story of when I was put in stocks in that cold, dark cell and Paul and Silas and myself were singing hymns that gentle spirit that you see in me, I want you to have it in you too. That it would be seen by all men through all circumstances. A gentle spirit is a spirit that is quick to forgive. A gentle spirit is not an angry spirit. It's not a bitter spirit. It's not a vengeful spirit. It's a spirit that's at rest. Let that spirit that is at rest be seen by all men because the Lord is near. Not only is he near in terms of his ultimate coming, but he also has promised to be near through every one of our circumstances. And I've given you a couple passages in Psalms. Look at Psalm, you can look at it, it'll be up here on the screen, Psalm 73, 28. David says, but as for me, look at this, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all of your works. Isn't that something? 
that the Lord is near to me. He's taking me through these things so that I would have a story to tell of God's good work. This season that you are in is all about God creating a story that you could tell to your children and to your grandchildren, to your friends and your neighbors. And it's all gonna be about how God was near, how God provided, how he protected, how he delivered, how he did things greater than any one of us could ever imagine. Look at Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Are you brokenhearted today? The Lord is near you. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Those are incredible promises that as you go to prayer, which is the next point, you're gonna say, Lord, you said you're gonna be near to me when I'm broken. That when I'm, my spirit is crushed, Lord, I'm so grateful that you are near to me. It may not feel like it, but God has promised to be near and I'm rehearsing his promises. The next ingredient, what are the ingredients? Being thankful in prayer. Look at verse six. Verse six says, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything, is what the New Living Translation says. Don't be anxious for anything, but in everything, in all things, in all circumstances, in every problem, by prayer and supplication. And the key word is, with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. How do, how do I become thankful to him? I remember who the Lord is. Hallowed be your name. That's how he taught us to pray in Matthew chapter seven. Lord, teach us how to pray. You pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, how incredible is your name. May your kingdom come. May your will be done in my life as it is done in heaven. Lord, may you do that in me and through me. How do we become thankful in prayer? We remember who the Lord is. We also recall his promises. Lord, you said you'd be near to me of the brokenhearted. You said you'd never leave me, you'd never desert me. You said that you, have, that you are the God of impossibilities. And we pray, not my will, but your will be done. And so Lord, who wants cancer? I don't want cancer. But if this is the journey that you have for me, may your will be done. May your kingdom come in my life as it is done in heaven. Lord, you use this in my life. Lord, don't let me miss the opportunities. Don't let me be so caught up in myself that I, that I miss the nurse that needs somebody to pray for or the other patient that's sitting who has no hope. Lord, don't let me miss the arenas you have put me in. Lord, in this circumstance of unemployment, don't let me miss the opportunities. Because Lord, I know it's not only what you wanna do in me, but it's also you wanna minister to my kids and my, my wife and my, my husband and, and my aunts and uncles, my parents. Lord, there's a web of relationships that you wanna speak to as they watch me. And so Lord, I give you praise and I know that you are gonna work in ways I cannot see. So I come to you with thanksgiving, knowing that you're at work. So Paul says in Colossians 4.2 that we're to devote ourselves to prayer, to keep alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7 says, therefore humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you at the proper time, casting all of your anxiety on him. I just saw this this morning, listen to this. Worry is a conversation you have with yourself about the things you cannot change. Amen? <laughs> Worry is a conversation you have with yourself about the things you cannot change. Prayer is a conversation you have with God about things that he only can change. So the Lord tells me, don't worry, but to pray with thanksgiving. Let my request be made known to God. 
because he's the God who hears. He's the God who cares. He's the God who is able. The next thing, in terms of what are the key ingredients, is to have a focused mind. And look what it says in verse eight. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good repute, good reputation, if there's any excellence or if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The word dwell means to set down as a, as a matter of fact that these things are just absolutely true and I am going to park on these things. I'm going to drive a stake on these things. And as you look at this list, this is where the enemy wants to attack us right here. If he can attack us in these areas, if he can cause us to doubt, we will become fearful. We will become anxious. We'll become worrisome because we'll recognize that it's beyond us. And it is. It is. It is beyond us. We need God's help. And so the enemy is going to come in. He's going to feed our mind with lies. He would love for us to think that God has forgotten us, and he hasn't. He, he would love for us to think that our situation is hopeless, and it's not in the Lord. He would love for us to think that the situation we're in is unforgivable, but it's not. He wants us to think that God doesn't hear us when we pray. He wants us to think that praying won't make a difference, and all of those statements are not true. What is true, and this is good in counseling, to come back to what is true and let's separate our thinking from what is true and what's not true and let's park our mind on that which is true. What's true is that God loves me with an everlasting love. Satan would say, no, that's not true. If you really loved you, you wouldn't, be, you wouldn't be in this situation. What kind of God would have put you through these situations? God is greater than that. He has a plan for my life. It's bigger than I could ever imagine. Who can know the mind of God? His ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And if he, if he has planned for me and finds glory in taking me through this journey, I want to be a wholehearted player in this thing. God loves me. He has not abandoned me. He hears me when I cry out to him. He is near, not far away. He's the everlasting father. He is the prince of peace. He is the wise counselor. He is the alpha and the omega as he was Yesterday, so he is today and will be tomorrow. As he is faithful to my great-grandfather, he will be faithful to me and to my great-great-great-grandchildren. Our God never changes. His word never dissipates. It never goes away. All of those things are true. And I know as we go through afflictions, the enemy just feeds us with all sorts of lies and we need to take a stand and say that I want to cling to what is true. I want my mind to be parked on the things that are true. The writer of Proverbs says, as, we, as a man thinks within himself, so he is. Garbage in, garbage out. Not true? Solomon wrote that several thousand years ago. It's true today. As you think within yourself, so you are. And I like 2 Corinthians 10, 5, where it says, we are destroying arguments and all arrogance raised against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You catch that? Every thought captive. And that's where we capture those lies and say, I'm not going down that road, Satan. I have conversations with different individuals and I'll hear them share some things and I'll say to them directly, that's, that's devil talk. You, you have this thing that, that you're, you're, not, you're, you're not ready to serve the Lord, that's devil talk. God wants to use you right now. You don't have to wait for now. You got this slow self-image, that's devil talk. That's not God speaking to you. 
And he's calling us to separate those thoughts and to park our mind to captive those thoughts and say, that's from the devil. That is not from the Holy Spirit. I want to park my mind on what God says is absolutely true. And when we do that, God has a wonderful gift that he wants to give to us. And it's this thing in verse seven. It's called incomprehensible peace. And look at this. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension. That means it goes beyond what you might ever think to be true, more than what you might ever think would be expected of anyone else in your situation. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And the word guard means to set a watchman around your heart and on your mind. Like in the army, they establish around the perimeter, watchmen who stay awake while everyone is sleeping, protecting those who are sleeping. They are always on the alert, knowing that the adversary is out there wanting to take advantage of these soldiers that are sleeping. And so we park a watchman out there to guard the camp, to guard the city, to guard the castle. And the Lord says that when you come to him and your mind dwells on these things, that he'll give you a peace that will guard your heart and your mind as you find confidence in Christ. And that peace will protect you. It will protect you from worry because you're at rest in Christ. It'll protect you from fear. For if God is with me, who can be against me? It'll protect you from hopelessness. Any of you ever feel like you're in a situation where it's hopeless? Where tomorrow is gonna be a darker day than today? With Christ, in Christ, there is a new day tomorrow. He says, I know the future that I have for you is not for calamity, but for a future and hope. And then you will call upon me and you will find me if you seek me with all of your heart. That is the truth. So there's no hopeless if you're walking with Christ. No hopelessness if you're walking with Christ. Uh, if, if you are frustrated, our God is able. I love the passage of Jeremiah. It says, with, Behold the Lord God, with the outstretched arms, your spoken word, you made the heavens and the earth. Nothing's too difficult for you. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? I mean, my goodness, God, look what you made. And this is so small. You are able. Boy, the peace of God puts a guard around my heart and my mind from all of those things and more because I am at rest in Christ knowing that I am in his hands. Praise God. Praise God. Jesus told his disciples, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives because the world doesn't give peace, folks. It may give a temporary euphoria, but it doesn't give long-lasting peace. In fact, it often is what leads is shame. So that's what the world gives. So the peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, nor fearful. Be not afraid. If we keep reading, for I'm with you, always, even to the end of this age. And so, in closing... I want to leave you with this verse in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18. Three things. Look at what it says. It's interesting that this theme that you're going to see here is repeated again and again and again because the Lord wants you and I to be at rest and at peace with him, to have our confidence in him. And so what are the three things? Rejoice in the Lord always. Find your joy and your contentment and your gladness in the confidence that God is in control. 
Number two, what do you do? Man, you never stop praying. You, you continue to ask. That's what John, uh, Matthew 7 says. You um, knock and you keep on knocking. Ask and you keep on asking. Seek and you keep on seeking. In fact, he gives a parable in Luke chapter 18, verse one. He says, I'm giving this parable so that you would not give up in your prayers. And he gives a story of a woman who keeps knocking on the judge's door until the judge is answered. And the purpose of the parable is not to show, not to compare God with an unrighteous judge, but to know that our God is listening and he is working in ways we cannot see. And here's the wonderful thing about prayer. Recently, I've had to do several memorials and gravesides and the people that I was, um, and the graduation I was celebrating, <clears throat> they were people of prayer. And here's what's cool is God still answering those prayers of those dear ones that have gone on to glory. He describes a revelation that our prayers are like going into these big old bowls that are being filled up. And it is phenomenal to think about this dear friend that I'm laying in the ground, Jerry Bond, a great woman of prayer. And God is still answering her prayers today and will for years to come. He's not willing that any should perish. And so he says, keep praying. Don't give up. I am working. Trust me, I am working in ways you cannot see. And then he says, and in everything and in all things, it's good to define a word. In everything and in all things, what do you do? You give thanks. How do we give thanks? Well, we start with who God is. We start remembering his promises. We know that he's working through us, producing endurance. And guess what else it says here? That if we do these three things, that we make the Lord our gladness and our joy, we are fervent in our praying, devoting in our praying, lift, casting our cares upon him because he cares for us, and we give thanks in all things, no matter what the circumstances are, guess what? That's God's will for you and for me. We're doing exactly what he wants us to do, and he is pleased, and he sees that in secret. When a person is finding their gladness in him, a person who's consistently on their knees bringing these cares before the Lord, bringing that lost child before the Lord, bringing that circumstance before the Lord and giving him thanks, recognizing that he's at work. And when that happens, he'll give us this incomprehensible peace that others will say, how in the world are you so peaceful? I can't go that way. When that happens to me, I'll go get drunk. When I get that way, I'll run off. How do you keep it all together? It's not me, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. If you had Jesus, you'd have that peace. Let me talk to you about Jesus. He wants everyone to have that peace. And if you were here today, if you're listening online, Lord wants us all to have confidence in him, peace in him, to whatever it is that you and I are facing. And again, the invitation, we'll sing here in just a moment, but that altar room is open to anyone. Folks, don't take your, your burdens home. You cast them before Jesus with good friends who won't judge you, who will love you and pray with you and watch God work because he's building a story, folks. He's building a story in each of our lives that we will tell again and again and again of God's faithfulness in his good work. Isn't that great? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your good work. I am so grateful, Lord, for your faithfulness. I'm so grateful, Lord, that what I saw in my grandfather, my great-grandfather, my dad and others around me it's been true in my life and it's true in my children's lives and my grandchildren's lives and on and on through every generation because your loving kindness never runs out.
this moves from one generation to the next. You are the faithful one. You fulfill all of your promises. Not one will be left untouched. And there's gonna be a wonderful day when our tears are wiped away and you will say to us, not only welcome home, but you won't believe what I'm about to show you. And we will stand amazed and we will say to all these things, wow, what a great God you are, along with the myriads of others who are praising your name and will enjoy you forever. So Lord, I pray for the burdens that are here today, for the needs that are here today, that your peace would reign and rule over us for your glory in Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.